What's good podcast? Uh, this is a new episode with a conversation with the extremely talented Induk named Akka Nibiana. I met Akka in Bonn at a global landscapes forum as the both of us were pretty much pushed on stage to co-host a live broadcast at cultural ceremony without any practice whatsoever or rundown and both not being comfortable in the spotlights. She is a poet, a writer, what else? She's a climate activist and, and many more things. And a lot we talked about in this episode can be subscribed to stepping into the discomfort zone. She shared a lot of insights. For example, um, lately I've been wondering how to write better speeches. And she made a very good point in telling me to stop worrying about what other people think and just write for myself, which makes a lot of sense because in these peoples, we are not marketers. We're not in marketing. We are storytellers. She's a strong young woman um, has an, and has an inspirational story to tell of stepping into the discomfort zone to prove somebody a point. So definitely you want to stick around for that story. Uh, we talked about a lot of things, uh, forgot about the time, and I almost made her miss her flight. So please enjoy the podcast, um, share it, and shout out to Akka on social. And oh yeah, by the way, please help me convince Akka to launch her own Indigenous Poetry Podcast, because I think that would be absolutely amazing. This is the Goma Luku Podcast. Tell us the, the origin story of Akka. Hmm. I am uh, born in North Greenland in a town called Ubanavik. And uh, I lived there until I was seven. Then we moved to Denmark. Um, my parents had to work. And uh, yeah, I, stayed, I lived in Denmark for 18 years and moved back to Greenland one and a half year ago. Yeah, to relearn Galatisu, that is the native language of Greenland. Um, I mean, I, I could understand, but when I had to like speak it myself, I, I, the, the words and the grammar just wouldn't, yeah, <laughs> come. Okay. So yeah, I felt the need to go back and focus on this, uh, to, to learn it. And uh, it actually came back pretty fast because I forced everyone to only speak Greenlanding to me even though I wouldn't understand something. Wow. Yeah, and it worked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that, how do you, seriously, how do you do that? Because it's like forcing other people to learn and then, yeah, like how, how does that go? Um, I don't know. I just, um, <laughs> I don't really know. Well, I do, you know, I, um, you know, I was thinking about it all the time and I almost felt ashamed because, you know, when I spoke to my uh, grandmother, to my uh, family in Greenland, that I was really struggling to, you know, communicate with them. And I was like, how can I, I mean, how, how, can I feel connected to my people when I cannot even com communicate to the ones closest to me, you know? So um, it was a kind of, yeah, sadness all the time. So I was just like, you know, 
I don't know how this is gonna happen, but I'm, I'm just gonna go there. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and it happened. I, uh, my parents were there and my sister. My sister uh, is really good at Greenlander, Galatasaray. Um, she's a teacher too in the language. So uh, yeah. I mean, it was pretty intense at first because, uh, yeah, you know, when you have to speak a new language, it's it sometimes, you know, you get embarrassed because you make mistakes or you, you say some nonsense. And uh, people, but the cool thing was the people expected me to speak Greenlandic, maybe because of the way I look, you know, and I'm in Greenland. So I think they all expected that I would speak perfectly. So they would speak to me. And that was good too, because I mean, usually if you know you, you are like white passing or look like a, you know, then they would just speak Danish to you. So I was I was kind of lucky <laughs> on many levels, <laughs> and uh, very dedicated to this. Yeah, I would imagine because otherwise yeah. that would be difficult. Well, all right, let's jump right in to when we first met. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Because that, that was, to me, um, so of course we were at the Global Landscapes Forum in Bonn. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I only knew like not long before I met you mm -hmm. that I was, I, su I was supposed to host the the closing ceremony or something. I don't know. How, how, did, they, how did they ask you? Like, how did I was go? on my way up for an interview upstairs and I yeah, and I just heard someone call my name <laughs> and uh, Jenny was like hey come here uh, someone wants to ask you a question and I came down and like so we need an MC like and it was also 30 minutes before we had to do it so yeah that was it and at first I was like I don't really I don't know <laughs> can I <laughs> <You know? laughs> Yeah, because for, for me, I've never done that before hmm. in terms of hosting Same. or, or MC. Like, mostly because I feel very uncomfortable being in the spotlight right. like that. Mm. I feel the same. I mean, also, I mean, also because it's improvised. You know, you have to impro <laughs> improvise, you know, Last a minute. flow. Yep. Yeah. And you're not really sure because also the notes are messy. You know, everything is a little messy. So, yeah, that was also... Uh, at first, I felt super awkward, but then I, it was, yeah, it was fun, you know. It was, it was fun. fun. Seriously, <laughs> I, I remember that um, the brief rundown, rundown that we did. So we had to go through all those regions, and they, they were like, um, yeah, like changing the order, and oh, he's not gonna, mm -hmm. he's gonna, not gonna speak, but she is, and uh, she wants to do this, and she wants to, do, and I was so confused. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, um, so like maybe give us the final rundown, like the final schedule, and then we'll, we'll go with it. And then, yeah, like, I think I said it, I think I said it as well on stage that I have a face for radio. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then not, and then us then telling us like, oh yeah, by the way, it's being live streamed in three different languages. <laughs> No pressure. No pressure, hey. I'd be like, don't tell me that. But like, don't. Yeah, I don't need to know. Like, it's hard enough standing in front of like a, a, a big ballroom full of people trying to, um, yeah, 
like host a like like it's like doing Oscars or something like that. Right. Like, you know, you know, like, <laughs> and between every every performance or every speech, like you have to like get up and, and I try to like bridge the two. Yeah, and make people feel well, comfortable, you know, with the with the whole flow. And <laughs> how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, and when it was not it wasn't really uh, the um, like all right, ladies and gentlemen, this will be the closing uh -uh. ceremony. Uh -uh. Like um. Yeah, can we please have the MCs up here? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> As after the final uh, pl plenary, which of course, like, they ran over the agenda, of course, <laughs> like went into way into overtime. But I was, I, but in retrospect, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Hmm, it was. I hope that people can like look back. Yeah. The thing, and I, well, and of course, forget the mistakes that we made. <laughs> Exactly. Because I think we made, well, at least I know for myself, like, I made a lot of them. Oh, same. Um, like, I, and sometimes I really don't, didn't really know what's, uh, if I started a sentence, I don't know where this sentence is going to end, you know? It's just, yeah. And, oh, <laughs> and, and by the way, I have, dur during those, being an MC, I have another confirmation that I should not try to be funny. I think I tried like to slip one joke in at some point. I can't even remember what it was, but it was so corny. It was not even funny. <laughs> People were like, looking at me like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, and so I tried to like, <laughs> I, tried, I tried to salvage the whole thing by like talk, talking over it. Right. But that kept like in my mind like, yeah, okay, Ghazali, um, note to self, no more jokes. <laughs> don't try to be funny. You're not. You know, like the only thing that you can do is like, like try to make the best of it. Right. But I don't know. Like it and yeah, that was it. Was fun though. Like, it was fun. Yeah. And, and, it was and a had, lot of fun. We had a lot of compliments. Not not like to like beat each other on the chest though. But like it's it's a lot of people are like yeah yeah. Mm. Right. You, you guys did a great job. Well. You should know. Yeah. Only if you knew that we, well, we've, been, we've been preparing for this for only like five minutes before mm. we went on, onto stage. Exactly. Um, but, so, but then I actually, because they introduced me to you, I got to know you. Yeah. And so I'm like, ah, okay, yeah. Oh, so you, and that's why I wanted to sit down, like pick your brain a little bit. So there's also like a personal um, motivation in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Because I suck at writing. Okay. <laughs> I suck at it. As in, maybe I'm overthinking it. Yeah. I'm not by saying that for a while I thought that I was a very good speech writer, writing speeches. Right. So maybe I was over, like, overestimating myself and underestimating the craft of speech writing. Hmm. But do you feel like you're better at the process or the uh, like the outcome of that process? Why do you feel that you suck at writing? Because it takes me... Here's the thing. So if I start writing, plus let's say I write a paragraph, like some, some ideas. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't have a process for writing. I don't, I don't know ah, a process. Right. So I just start writing and then all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, this is not it. I delete everything because I'm, I'm not... I'm not feeling it so like you as a poet 
Um, so yeah, so like, I just wanted to pick your brain about like, what is your process of, of, of mm. writing? There's a lot of different processes depending like, okay, I, if I know I have to like deliver a speech somewhere, then I'm like, okay, what is this? And mostly it's climate, you know, related. So okay, fine. What's the what's the point of this that I'm trying to say? And could I make it less point uh, with a story? Could it, is it a re relevant story? Um, you know, and I brainstorm like I just have a blank paper and write a word in the middle of it, and I start from there. Just everything that I think of, and like it's a huge mess. You know, it doesn't make sense at all. And then I take that paper away, or like put it in front of me, and take a new paper, and write. And sometimes I know right away what to write, but sometimes also like, okay, I have no idea where to start. And you know, and then I just start writing that. I don't know where to start. I don't know what I'm talking about, oh. but why don't I know how to do it? What could I do, you know? So then your I thought start, process, you're, exactly. you're, you're writing that, okay. then, then the thought, you know, and from that, it, it usually starts coming, you know. Because then you start kind of analyzing why you can't write, and then you just take the opposite, or that's what I do, of that thing, okay, so here it is, you know. Um, that's one way of doing it. That's um, so interesting. I never thought about no? it that way. No? Um, yeah, it also took me a lot of panic <laughs> and deadlines to, to learn this. Um, mm -hmm. Like at first, I remember I had to uh, do a speech at a climate march in a few years back. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to tell these people. Um, also, like, I didn't really know the, what do you say, the community in Copenhagen, like the, within the climate group, okay, what do they know? Is it obvious, the things that I'm going to say? You know, so I was like, I really didn't know where to start. But then I was like, okay, so let me start with a poem. Um, and uh, from there, yeah, it just came okay. flowing again. And started with a poem, story. And then, you know, th there was these two parts. And I look at these two parts and, okay, do they make sense? Like, is it relevant with this story, with this poem? And then, yeah, you just start connecting them. Let it flow. That's another way of doing it. So were you all, always, like, how do you become a poet, poet then? Like, how do you, like, is it, so, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know, seriously. Like, I, this yeah, I don't know. Um, one day I was just a poet, I think, no, I mean, um, was it like, what, 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 maybe this is a better question, as in like, is it the, like, probably the, what, where does your inspiration come from, as in like, hmm. You want to, exp this is just my thought. So you want to translate experience into words. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that poetry can do things that, you know, an essay cannot do the same way because, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it can be more, what do you say, metaphorical, me metaphorically written. And then it leaves to the listener to interpret and from their understanding, you know, uh, okay, what what do I get from this? And it can be completely different than, yeah, what I'm trying to say. 
that's also interesting, I think, that there's not always an answer to the things that you're trying to communicate, express mm -hmm. to the world. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I was really, I've always been really fascinated by words. Um, also, you know, I, I was uh, born and raised in Greenland, and I grew up speaking three languages all the time. And I was, I felt it was, I thought it was really interesting how uh, even the same words uh, in different languages, how different they are, the meaning of them. You know, I mean, if, even if it's the same, you know, when you translate it directly, like a language. Because the language not only it's not only words, like it's it's a, I mean there's so much identity, it's a, so much history, you know, within the language and a mindset and you know a whole yeah your ancestors your everything you know it's in the words and when you um, yeah, and I realized, you know, when you when I ex express myself in different languages, uh, it really had a huge difference. And so I was really fascinated. Yeah, I was really fascinated. Um, yeah, with words, <laughs> always been. Um, and, and so, and you, you, in what language do you feel most comfortable writing? English. English. Yeah my best language. I mean, uh, I write in Danish too, like fluently and everything, but I uh, think it's, uh, for me, harder to write poetry in Danish. And also I think that there is this, um, for me, what do you call it, kind of resistance to use Danish in my work. I mean, I, I do it when it's relevant, but because of, yeah, I don't directly refuse to use it, but I just don't prefer it. Has it something to do with, with like, um, Denmark currently being the colonizer, of course, of, yeah. of, of Greenland? Indeed. Indeed. Also because I know uh, what impact, like the Danish... So for, for many years I didn't speak Greenland, Galatisu, uh, Greenlandic. So, you know, and I've been using Danish for so many years, and I think that there's something to do. I don't know if it's, uh, I don't feel guilty, but you know, there's some, there's, there's some emotions there that I feel, uh, yeah, resist this, uh, to speak Danish. Right. Mm. And, and do, do you then, so you're most comfortable writing in English? Yeah. So do you translate it into? Danish, but and then how does that process go, or, or in in your own in your own language? Mm. Like I would imagine that it takes more words or less words. Like how? Um, like if you should translate it into a Galatisu, that would be con completely different, right? Because we don't have like it's not words. It's not my name is Aka. It's Akami Atsakapunga. We we pull wow. we pull Do that the again? So, sorry, Akami Okay. We pull. Uh, all the words in uh, uh, the whole sentence into fewer words. Maybe this was two words. My name is Aka, uh, and uh, I live in Nuuk. That's two words again. You know, you put so you know it's a whole other structure they get, and, uh, and that's also the thing. 
as I said before, you know, it's more than words. The language is more than words, and it's, yeah. So uh, I think it's not always possible to translate it. Uh, different sequ uh, sequences of a text. So sometimes I do this that I write in both Greenlandic and English in one text. Like, um, I like starting off with uh, Galatlisen. Um, but yeah, I'm still learning, so uh, I feel that I have to master the language really well to make poetry out of it. So, uh, yeah. And if, when it comes to me writing, maybe I'm a perfectionist mm -hmm. in terms of like writing speeches, because I always imagine, not always, but like you want, you want to be like write the next um, I have a dream speech, right? You know that the, the 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 speech that like like raises people's heart rates, yes. you know, and things like that. So I always have that in mind, which makes me probably overthink things. Yeah. Like, and how I does can, that? I can recognize yeah. that definitely. Is that the same way with with writing poetry? With yeah, I mean, it's always you never feel that you're done. I mean. Also, when we uh, were writing Rice, me and uh, Kathy, it, it, it didn't feel good at all, you know, before we were, I mean, even when we were standing there, it didn't feel good until maybe the last uh, ten times we were screaming this poem, you know. So it's, uh, I think as a writer also, you are never satisfied. And I think that's with all, you know, disciplines that you feel that you want to be good at, you, you're really a perfectionist and other people have to see this and you want to hold yourself to a standard that is, you know, and yeah, you want to write the next I Have a Dream, you know, so, but um, for me, because I, well now I do write a lot and that's what, you know, I do for a living, so sometimes you just have to accept, okay, this, may not be <laughs> the next I have a dream, I have a dream. yeah um, but the cool thing also I feel that when I, I write a text then I put it away for some days and not think about it at all like fill your mind with anything else and then return it to the paper and you uh, read it then you're like oh my god did I write that and then it's easier editing that way so um Oh, so maybe maybe that's my problem. I try to rush things. Mm -hmm. And you you take your you take your time. Is that yeah. what you do? Yeah. Okay. Not all the time. Sometimes I'm like uh, a day before I have to do some. Oh, maybe I should write this. You know. And then you. I mean, but oh. I don't. I don't recommend that. <laughs> I think the only, at, at least the only statement that I felt comfortable with that I speech that I wrote. That's a funny thing because it was, I was um, asked to speak at the the General Assembly of the United Nations mm -hmm. in 2017 on behalf of the Pacific region. So it was, I only had a couple of days to write a, a speech. So like, so you know, what what are you gonna say? Like, are you gonna talk about all the 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 hopes and desires of Indian peoples in the Pacific, or are you gonna talk about? Everything that's wrong in the Pacific. Yeah. What do you do? Do you find a balance? What do you What do you What are you doing? So, of course, like the reflex, I think for a lot of Indian peoples, 
is to go highlight what's wrong mm -hmm. in the region, mm -hmm. what's wrong in the world. Now, look at climate change, what needs to change, right. and, and the colonization, like what needs to change. So I wrote that, that speech. I remember it was a two-day event, and I had a, I thought I was, had like a done <laughs> statement on Monday. Mm -hmm. So I showed it to people, they were like, yeah, okay, yeah. But I wasn't happy with it. No? Because I think then that for me was also in a, in a, an experience of, of growth, or developing, development, saying like, well, I want to inspire people. Like, so you can't inspire people or empower people by only like highlighting what, what's wrong. Yeah. So I, I flipped the narrative overnight. And I remember then, then writing the statement came like natural to me. Right. As in like boom, 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 boom. Yeah, you need a little bit of tweaking and other people looked into it as well. All right, mm. maybe you want to change this, maybe you want to change that. Um, but that's, that speech was, it was not I have a dream. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> but it was a, a good enough speech. Right. Um, but I've never been able to do that again. Hmm. And in, in writing speeches within the United Nations, it's different, of course. It's not speeches, but like statements. You know, like, oh, uh, this is what's happening on the ground, and this is what the United Nations needs to do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people um, do that, like, like very um, academic. Right. You know, right, 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 speeches. And I don't know, maybe we should learn a little bit more from poetry. Mm. Um, because that, because you do want to ch inspire people. So maybe we should like, look at that. How can we? What can we say actually that that does reflect what's going on? Mm -hmm. you, you don't you don't want to sugarcoat it, right? But does inspire people to act. Mm. And I think there's a balance that 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 we need to explore. Indeed. I think so. I, I don't know. Like because it, sometimes I'm like, I look at listen to all those statements, speeches, and like. Yeah, there's a lot of truth in there. It's very accurate, but I'm not like energized. Like, all right, now mm. we gotta do something. And, like, like, mm. and if I'm not feeling it, you want you talk to the UN or talk to states. Like, they're not feeling it. Exactly. You know, like, so yeah, I don't know. Like, if there if ever there's, so you've been to probably have listened to a lot of speeches and any. What, do you, what, 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 what are you looking for when you listen to people? To people speaking or like... like. Mm, yeah, there's all, I think there's all, only that much information. You know, when you talk about really academic speeches, there's only that much information that we can process and take. And if you want to be motivated at the same time, take away from that. You know, that's a lot of, I mean, pressure to the listener at some, some high, somehow. Um, so yeah, I um, I like in speeches when they start uh, more like down to earth, like when you can sense okay, just to have a little piece of this person that is talking. Not you know, not no one saying that you have to tell about your whole life and all you know 
private and personal stuff, but you know, when you can just feel a little bit of this person uh, sharing, you know, these words with you. So, and yeah, of course, uh, uh, um, like, regarding what speech it is and where it is, uh, like for different messages, but like, this, for me, it's always like, can I feel the person? And, and it's, it's also, as you said, you know, if you don't feel your speech yourself, it's really difficult for you to, to make people feel what you're trying to. If you don't feel motivated, if you don't, you know. And um, so, yeah. Where was I going with this sentence? I don't remember the question you asked. <laughs> Not necessarily a question. It was oh, like, no. What, what, I don't remember what, 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 you're looking what it started. For, but when, yeah. When, as, uh, yeah. As a true, yeah. poet, you have a sense of, yeah, you have that, 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 that sense, you know, so mm. when you, when people are talking or like doing a, a presentation or a speech or whatever, um, I, for example, I have a human rights background, so I listen to things that, that are relevant to me, mm -hmm. because like, so, I, um, so from a poet point of view, like, you probably will listen to, to, to the same speech, but from a totally different yeah. perspective. Mm -hmm. But I think that, can I, can I, you can feel the person. I think that's a, um, yeah, main mm. thing. All right. Because I, uh, I, I easily get distracted. Like, it, it takes nothing for me to get distracted. So I had to like, really focus, into, also when I listen to all kinds of things. But so, I, but what keeps me not distracted is if I can really feel this person, no matter what this person is talking about, if they feel this, you know? And so you live, so like for example, during the, the Global Landscapes Forum, so you have probably been sitting in, in a lot of sessions. Um, did you get that feeling from, from people? Like that yeah. you get the sense of, so there was, there were indigenous peoples and non-indigenous peoples, respectively. Right. Um, yeah, but I also think that for me it was easier to to relate to indigenous peoples because I, even though we don't talk the same way, the same language, all of us. I mean, but there's this I feel uh, connection to. We also talked about at the reception, you know, the storytelling. The storytelling is such a big part of uh, our culture, you know, and storytelling in many ways. So I feel that no matter if you're uh, talking about something really like academically or something, but the whole storytelling uh, thing, I feel, is always a part of it. So for me, it was easier to relate to indigenous people who are speaking. And, and maybe it was also a, a conscious choice for my, my part, or unconscious, I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's what I felt. Listening to all, all the presentations, um, and yours included, I felt that people, you, you always measure, of course, like um, how good a speaker was mm. by the applause that, mm. that people got, you know. And I think the biggest applause 
was for for speakers that came with a story. Right. Like hmm. you, you came with your story, you came, you came with your poem, you came. Mostly indigenous peoples, because, and and I could also see that that was so. It was so beautiful, actually, to listen to the to the stories because it makes you resonate with, with right. it. Right. You can actually mm. like, appreciate just a story. Um, I'm, that's why why I'm so fascinated with we can do it in a setting like that, talking about stories. That's because that's how we as Indigenous peoples share mm -hmm. knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, but we're not so much doing it within a context where we need within the United Nations, for example, hmm. or when we need to, in, in policy making. Whereas, if you're talking about making, like, indigenizing the process, uh, if you want to fight climate change, you need to, like, think like an indigenous person. Mm -hmm. um, you need to think in terms of stories. That's right. what I would think. Mm -hmm. So let's bring in stories into the other discussions as well. So. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I definitely think you're right. Also because I feel that I mean I know that I have since okay how to we want to indigenize these things, but it's easier to you know just okay navigate within the system that we know is always there. So sometimes and also sometimes uh, I think that it has to be done the other way. Like I mean. But yeah, I think we're so e uh, used to navigating within these systems that sometimes, you know, we... we um, I know, I, I forget, you know, the power of storytelling, the power of these ritual, the power of, you know, these traditions. I mean, we talk about it, you know, when we make presentations, when we speak to people, we talk about, oh, this is what indigenous peoples do. But then, yeah, so should... Uh, I agree that we should take it more like into consideration when we also enter these spaces uh, at you and at you know at the, where it may not be expected to be done that way. Yeah, but like yeah, it's not expected because people are used to like the system, like you said. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to climate change, for example, you need to rethink the whole thing. Right. You need to rethink everything that you're doing. And which includes how you discuss things, mm. how you come to a solution, and how you deliver a message. And, and you cannot no longer, um, if you're trying to connect something, connect people with, with an idea, you need to bring out, out that story. And, and I always say that um, Indian peoples have been there since time immemorial. Right. You know, and we're still here, so we must have done something right. Hmm. You know, so amongst others, of course, is the way we do, we, the way we transmit knowledge, the way we share our stories. You know, mm -hmm. and so why don't you, as a, for example, United, like the United Nations or any other international body, why don't you also look into that? Right. So not only like have us do an opening ceremony. Which is fine, you know, and, or like have us do um, uh, in a panel, you know, to get some diversity, get some more quote unquote 
color in there. <laughs> um, but you just also yeah. look at like at the way we think we do things. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't, I don't know. Like, like it's it. We're at the brink when it comes to climate change, of like we need to do something. Seriously, like like it, it is a reality. Right. Um, but we're still like talking. Taking the human element out of it. Hmm. So. Yeah, where maybe now the human element is not maybe the most important thing to remember right now, you know. And yeah, also because we've, we've been this system, all these solutions that we try, you know, we've been doing this for a very long time. I mean, if it, and I think if it was that effective, I mean. Where would we have been now? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, um, um, so past, the past, during the, for example, during the, the climate, so you were at the Global Landscapes Forum, but parallel to that, well, not, well, yeah, parallel to that was the climate change negotiations. Um, like, literally, like, four blocks down, mm. down the road. And, we as Indian peoples, like we were in those in that area, in the, within the negotiations area, um, but it's hard. It's hard to come in as Indian peoples and maintain y- your Indian's way of doing, mm. because like it's a system that's so used to a certain mindset, a certain way of doing things mm-hmm. that you are prone to adapt, which is okay, but like, um, practice make perma- makes permanent. Hmm. Hmm. So like, if you keep on doing it, you keep, you become it. You know? right. I'm not saying that we have become it, Mm-mm. but like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, so in terms of climate change, like you need to change. So like, like you need to master the system um, to change it. And it's very difficult if everyone is talking about abstracts, what um, percentages, like st- graphs and stats and everything else. Whereas we as Indian peoples, we walk in and, for example, we had an elder and she had a story. Mm-hmm. And I was so out of the comfort zone of a lot of people because they're used to talking about like percentages and, and degrees and numbers. Mm-hmm. And this elder told a story like prophecies and yeah. everything else and it was, they were so out of their comfort zone which they should be because mm-hmm. you know like, like we were telling we're experiencing climate change I also really like you know when um, uh, I'm working on a project where we had this conversation uh, like different layers of decolonizing how, how do we do that how this and that but um, like and and sometimes in the room it gets super uncomfortable, but we le- learned how to share that unease and how to stay in that unease, you know. Because um, like we are a group of uh, four and we come to different places and we have different you know relations with like within the group. Like me as a Greenlandic person, there's also a, a Danish woman there, so you know that. Um, sometimes when we talk about okay the relations with that, I've, the, the discomfort sometimes that we're in, 
you know, being like, oh, so this happened, you know. But um, I also learned that when you dare to stay in that unease, dare to, uh, you know, investigate that, where does this stem from, that it, it can be so really beautiful, that some beautiful things can come out of it, you know. Mm. Uh, because I feel that um, sometimes when we talk about things that are uncomfortable, we want to run away from it. We're like, oh, oh my God, no, let's please talk about something really nice, someone make me laugh or, you know. But, uh, yeah, sometimes... So also, in terms of uncomfortable things, like what is... Um, you told me, like, I don't know, a couple of hours ago, that you went into the army? Yeah. To prove a point? Yeah. Like, in, in for that, that's getting out of your comfort zone. Mm. Like, if you, if you go into the army just to, like, wanting to go to, into the army, that is comfort zone. Yeah. But going into the army to prove something? Yeah. That is this comfort zone. So, like... I mean, I'm not proud of that. <laughs> Let me just be honest. It's not something where I think, oh, you should learn something from this. No, I mean, that was... Yeah. What made you go... What, what, what was the, the story behind it then? Why you went to do that? Um, like it started if you're willing to share it, yeah, course. sure. I mean, it started as a conversation had in, uh, in class, and uh, it was this discussion whether women couldn't or couldn't or shouldn't or shouldn't do, uh, yeah, go into the army, yeah, go into the army. Um, and you know, the kind of I don't the conversation started like really, oh, yeah, but I mean, physically with women, this and that, and. Then it, it, someone made a comment that, yeah, for example, you, Akka, would never have a, had a chance to do that, and you could never do things like that because look at, you know. And <laughs> I didn't have a big desire to be in the army before that, but right there, you know, I got pissed. Like, who are you to tell me <laughs> that I cannot do that, you know? Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was me being stubborn. and. Uh, Wanted to prove it? What, I, I what, think so. What is stubborn? Like, um, I don't know. I think it, it, it comes it? from a, like <laughs> from a, a strong position, and then like, well, who are you to tell me what I can do? Hmm. So like, well, you know what? Let me prove it to you. Yeah. You idiot. I just wish that it was maybe something else than the. Women can big bread. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? Let me prove it to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Women can fold newspapers. Well, <laughs> watch me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how, how, how long were so? How long were you in the army? Uh, and half a year. All right. You know, well, long enough to prove a point, of course. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> so, did you speak to that person afterwards, like, or like, how did you? Uh, no, no. Not really. Oh, so it's more for you. Was it more um, for yourself? Or? No, I mean. I mean, this person could see it on social media. You know? Oh, okay. I was rubbing it in people's faces, like. <laughs> but I mean, um, yeah. Uh, but I'll say that you know, it also did some things. You know, that was after that was where I started like dedicating myself more to the work that I'm doing now, mm, because okay. I was because 
I think it was such an extreme situation to be in as a Greenlandic person, as a woman in Denmark. Um, so, and there was a lot of racism, sexism, all of it at once, screamed literally in your face, you know? In Denmark? In Denmark, yeah. Because a lot of people have like a certain view of Denmark that yeah. is like so peaceful. Yeah. But reality is differently. Yeah, it is a different, different. And uh, like, also because Denmark wants to see there's this, they want to see themselves as this humanitarian wonder. We are so free and we are the happiest people and this and that and we are perfect and we, we, we can say bad stuff to each other and it's just for fun. You know, that's kind of the, you know, that's how we are, you know. <laughs> but there is a lot of racism. Like if you look at the government, uh, like really far right racist, like political parties, we had uh, the pa we had election not long ago, and uh, this guy was almost elected in. Uh, I don't want to say his name, but he is, um, uh, yeah, this insane racist guy who just took over took over a lot of spaces. Comes to areas where, uh, like, where most people. Uh, immigrants in these areas. He comes down, he burns the Quran, fries bacon on it, he uh, screams a lot, like outrageous stuff, like a lot of, uh, yeah, and then, and the Danish state protects him. And they're like, but yeah, but we have to, that's law, you know, because he, he is, is a legal demonstration, and he can, he can march this, but you know, when uh, you have a system that supports this without even questioning, okay, this is this is a Nazi, you know, and I feel that that that's a perspective that uh, some Danes would like to understand, you know, that this is outrageously racist. It's not just ah, you know, what well, don't be so sensitive about everything. But that's kind of the uh, response you get sometimes when you when you speak up against these things. Like, oh, can you just calm down, you know? Yeah, or, mm. or what they always say it's, is that, like, well, he should be able to say that because, like, mm. it's freedom of freedom opinion, of speech, freedom of speech, yeah. freedom of expression. Exactly. That's also the, the debate that was really, uh, yeah, freedom of speech. Like, oh, but we, we cannot silence him because then we would, you know, this and that. But, yeah. Well, there's, of course, you can, I, I, I'm all in favor of, of freedom of speech. You know, like, people should be able to express themselves in any way they want. Um, but you should not try to be an asshole. Exactly. I mean, also because the, the freedom that you take to express these words comes with consequences. I mean, yeah. That's, you know, and, and responsibility. I mean, absolutely. Responsible absolutely. for what you say. <laughs> and it's, it's, I mean, yeah. And I think with the right comes responsibility. Hmm. You know, you mm -hmm. have the right to do things, but like you need to be responsible. Of right. It. You know, like you have the right to water. Hmm. But you also have to, like, but you can't, like, like, use a water hose and, and then, uh, I don't know, flood the, your, your neighbor's apartment or something right. like that, you know? You have the right to water, right. but you don't have to, like, do all those crazy, st crazy <laughs> things with that. You exactly. know, that doesn't make any sense. They're, they're not responsible. So, I think that's also, um, yeah, one of, the, one of the things that I see. So it's not just in Denmark, it's like all around the world, of right. course. You know, mm -hmm. there's, there's this rise of something. Yeah. You know, of, 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 
people um, being more, yeah, some who are racists, yeah. you know, or, or like more expressive in what, what, they, what they say. And, it, and it, the funny thing is like a lot of people like blame social media. Mm. Um, whereas I think that people were racist all along. Like if they say something racist, they were racist, they were, they were, yeah, they were a racist or like mm -hmm. if they, they were against certain groups of people, they were always against that certain right. group of people. Social media only exposed people. Documents it. Yeah, it mm -hmm. documents it. You know, like it gives, it, it lowers the threshold. You know, so that it's not that social media caused it, it just opened it up. Right. And also there's a lot of effed up people in this world actually and using this social media as a platform. Mm. As I'm like, right now I can say what I want, what I want, what I want to say. And it only gives rise to people yeah, that say those crazy things, for example, in, in Denmark. But it, you, you can also use it as a platform for be res being responsible. Right. You know, so like, you, yes, you have a right to use the internet, use social media, but you can, use, you can also be used like, responsibly. Mm -hmm. But like, why would you go on, to, on the internet and like, you know, like send, say like, like, like very um, yeah, hurtful things about people or mm -hmm. groups of people which you have never met before. Like it's, you don't know me, mm. I don't know you, you know, like, so, like no, well, I do know you, but, yeah. um, but you know, it, there's, you need to be more responsible. Like, in, so it's, yeah, it's just, so it's, you, Denmark's not alone, mm -mm. but I, I always assumed, and maybe it's just my ignorance, that Denmark would be was a lot better than other places in the world. I think Europe. Denmark was a lot better than other places in the world back in time, but I think that they just sticked maybe to that image and thought, oh, now we're done. Right, now, now we did right. Yeah. <laughs> so so how, yeah, so how is De Denmark treating the Inuit people? Then? Okay. Two years ago, um, they in, uh, included in the Danish dictionary a word called Grønlandastil. That means drunk as a Greenlandic person. Oh. Yeah, this is the point <laughs> where we are, you know? Yeah. And it's so, because they don't see, because there's this um, expression that Grønlander jokes as jokes for Greenlander people, these specific Greenlander. You know, there's this whole like, like there's all these your mom jokes, there's this Greenland jokes in Denmark, that's how, you know? Uh, so, uh, and, and the thing is, they don't see it as racist because it's, it's just Greenlandic people, you know? So it's not, it's not racism, it's just a fun relationship we have, you know? It, it kind of gets brushed off like that, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, oh, it's not racism because it's, oh, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, uh, oh. Yeah, it's super... Uh, <laughs> it's innocent. Mm. That, is that what it's Exactly. Oh, just laugh a little. You know, you know us Danes, you know, because it's funny and ha you know. So is it that, like, the mentality that, that those people have over the, the Inuit in Greenland? Yeah. Um, I mean, luckily, the past few years, there's been a lot of conversation going on about Greenland. Like, also because we, we've been making a lot of noise. I mean, a, a lot of noise. And they didn't have a choice to, but to listen. We uh, last year had a campaign in schools that 
made it possible for now to get more education about Greenland in Dan Danish schools. It, it's, it's become obligatory to learn now. It wasn't before. You know, you, you didn't, I mean, you never learned about anything about Greenland and no one knew anything and all of these things. But, you know, we got a lot of things pushed through and that's really nice. So I feel that, you know, information is being shared now and it, we are, we entered this conversation, but it's still not, you know. It's a start. Yeah, it's okay. a start, right. exactly. And is it, so that information that's being shared, is that, um, accurate to the extent that um, it reflects the accurate history of how, of how, how, mm. to, how to Inuit? I think the, it's become more nuanced now, okay. like because um, I said, I, I, they had Greenlandic people writing these things. I wrote material for education and, you know, they made yeah, they passed the mic. They actually passed the mic. This is this, this is a youth organization, uh, Danish school organization, that just I mean, and and I was contacted, and they asked this and that, and where I was just we were just really clear. Yeah, if you want to let us tell the stories, we can do this, and it was luckily very mm. successful. All right. So yeah. So because so, the reason why I'm asking is that so a little bit of context. Um, mm -hmm. My Native people from Maluku, we have a community of seven, almost yeah, 60, uh, 70,000 living in Holland due to forest relocation hmm. back in 1950. Um, so the Dutch actually brought us with our families. So the men who was part of the Dutch army, Dutch East Indies army, um, with their families to Holland and promised them to go back. That's the short version of the story. Um, oh, and um, what was I trying to say? Oh, yeah. So it's reflected in the in the in the books, the education books, that we were refugees. Hmm. That they that we wanted to come to to the to the. Um, um, to Holland. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that, that's a little bit, so that's why my, what my question is. I think we have to run. <laughs> I think we have to it, run it, uh, it departed two minutes ago. Oh, okay. So I have to, fuck, how do I get to Kuhn? All right, so we've been talking so long <laughs> that we actually missed the train. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oops. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So I think, yeah, all right. So I think we, we, we just, we just all right, just kind of cutting it short. If people want to like listen to, like read your poems, uh, where can they find you? Um, Instagram. Instagram. Akaniviana. It's spelled A-K, <laughs> should I spell it? Yeah, sure. A-K-A-N-I-V-I-A-A-N-A. Yeah. yeah. And please start a podcast. Yes, I will. <laughs> I, th I think, yeah, like people want to listen to your poems in your language or in your with your voice wow. all right now we're gonna f now we have to find out like how you <laughs> how to get a train ticket to frankfurt uh, this um, is hilarious this is hilarious yeah <laughs> going so deep into a conversation that you forget to 
yeah. Forget the time. Awesome. All right. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, let, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. I really enjoyed documenting the work. Um, so please subscribe to this podcast and share it. And if you want to continue the conversation, you can drop me a line on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And let me know what you think. Have a great day.